Well, again, good morning to you. Um, let's just jump into Scripture right away. Hebrews chapter 11, if you would turn there with me. And as we go to Hebrews chapter 11, one of the things that we recognize very, very quickly after beginning a new series called Admire this last weekend, um, we recognize that sometimes we can make heroes out of the wrong people. We can sometimes admire people for maybe the wrong reason. And so we're going to be forced, as we walk this next month or so, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 11 and the people that we admire, the people that are heroes in our life, we're going to be forced to evaluate whether or not we are making heroes out of the wrong people. When we look at people that we really admire, are we looking at them through a biblical lens or are we looking at them through the worldly things in which they do that we simply want to possess ourselves? And so we get to do that today with Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to walk through Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 through 7. And in doing such, we're going to be able to look at the life of Abel and Enoch and Noah. Abel, Enoch, and Noah. I am going to give you a summary of each of their lives because I recognize that many of us are hearing those names. And some can be like, oh, yeah, this is what happened. And Cain killed Abel and all these different, and other people don't know. So we're going to give a little summary of each of those lives as well so we can have some greater insight into what God is doing also. Um, So I know you just sat down, but we're going to stand for the reading of the Word of God. And uh, I underlined for you once again, because I'm a giver, um, and this is going to help us. You know that you call out the words that are underlined. That would be great so that we can engage and connect in the Word of God. And we've got a couple of, of screens here for us to look at with Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 through 7. And it says, by faith, Abel, a more acceptable than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, but he, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, He was commended, huge words for us, as having what? Having pleased God. And without faith, it is to please him. Let's say that again. And without faith, it is to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, For the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Mentioned it a week ago. Let me go ahead and say it one more time. If we were making this list, it begins really, the list begins Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 and following. If we were making a list of the people we admire most, the people who are the heroes of faith, I do think that we would likely make a different list than what we're about to encounter, than what we're about to discover and see. I think we would make a different one. I think our list would look a little bit different, but we need to learn from these people and why these are the individuals that that are being called out for us to admire. So as we look at these three individuals today, all right, as we look at Abel, as we look at Enoch, and as we look at Noah, I'm going to I want to challenge you to evaluate who you would place in your life right now in similar categories to these individuals. You're going to learn about who they are as you learn about who they are and the reasons that they're on this list. I want you to go, oh yeah, that's such and such for me. 
Maybe I need to admire them or, or learn from them differently. Maybe I need to be able to have an opportunity to grow more by discovering who they are and why they have the faith that they have. So uh, it's just a fun challenge for you today because I think it could help us as we continually pro- progress and move forward in our own faith and our own understanding of who God is. Here's f- the first one, though. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Now, you already know, Cain and Abel, if you want to scribble down some notes here, very, very brief summary of who they are. Cain and Abel are the first, second sons of Adam and Eve. All right, so we already know this. We know that Cain was a farmer. We know that Abel was somebody who was a shepherd. And one day, Cain and Abel, they were raised. They were taught to bring sacrifices to God. Many people are taught to bring sacrifices to God. And no, we don't bring the same types of sacrifices today that they, that they did then. I know, though, that I was raised in a Christian home, amazing parents. And um, they taught me from a very early age, every single penny I made, anything. You tithe back. You made a sacrifice to God. You gave back because you recognized it was his to begin with. And you always gave the very first to him because you gave your best to him. I was, I was just raised to do that. I hope you're raising people to do that. That's why we just gave over a million dollars to missions around the world and helping millions of people to get the word of God in their hands. Can't do it alone. And so we, we often are raised to make certain sacrifices. We often, though, what we're going to see is we sacrifice according to the value we put on that which we're sacrificing for. You sacrifice according to the value that you put on that which you're sacrificing for. It's Cain and Abel. So here they are, first, second sons of Adam and Eve, one being a farmer, one being a shepherd. And they came and they made sacrifices to the Lord. Cain brought produce from the land, right? Makes sense, he's a farmer. Abel brought what? The firstborn of his sheep. And yet what we see is that God showed favor upon Abel's sacrifice. And I'm making this as simple as I can, but all of a sudden we see God going, I like this sacrifice, and we see God unpleased with another sacrifice. So right away, ears pop up. I'm wanting to know, why isn't God happy with my sacrifice? Would you not want to know that? And so we see this happening And why did God show favor upon Abel's sacrifice? Because it was an offering that came from the best that Abel had. You see, when you give anything back to God, when you come before God, God automatically knows if you're giving him your best. Friends, did you know you can't fool God? Can we just just establish that right now? I think we would all possibly be better off if we would recognize we can't fool God. God knew the heart of Cain. God knew the heart of Abel. And he knew, God knew that that Abel was bringing his very best to him. And yet Cain was not. And Cain became jealous of Abel. It made Cain upset and Cain became angry. He was jealous. Friends, this is another way to think about it. And this was a Cain and Abel and I don't think we're that different. Okay, I really don't. Listen, this this is what some of the dynamics were that were taking place between Cain and Abel is that the complete devotion, listen, they both were raised with God. Look at this note because this is important for us. The complete devotion of of one fully committed, it highlighted 
the insecurities of the one who wasn't completely devoted. So you got two people, do they both know of God, yes or no? Do they both come and make sacrifices, yes or no? Okay, so here's one, though, who came and recognized, right, wait, this guy, we both claim to know God, but really his, the, the insecurities of Cain, you know that they started to dwell up within him. That's why he became angry and jealous and like, wait a second, he's making me look bad. But guess what? His brother, because later on we know that he called his brother out in the field and he killed him with a rock. His own insecurities, his, his, not only his insecurities, but his own lack of fulfillment in God is what triggered such jealousy, is what triggered such anger. And so the complete devotion, and sometimes that's what happens. You got two people who both claim the Lord, and one's always upset with the other one. It's because really their insecurities are what being, is, is being highlighted because the complete devotion of one fully committed, that'd be Abel, highlighted the insecurities of the one who wasn't completely devoted. That'd be Cain. And so here we learn from them and we go, okay, who is it that we're admiring? Because one of these guys had a priority of emphasizing God and giving of his best and giving the, 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 not only the best, but the, the heart that he had. He was making a sacrifice from his heart. See, that's the thing with faith, the faith of Abel. He had a heart of faith. That's what impacted. His heart was in the right place. This is, this, is, this is what you've got to get. He had the right heart. So as you're coming before the Lord, you have to know, do you have the right heart? In Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 and 5, where you find a lot of this story, okay? What you read is it says that the Lord had respect upon Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and his offering, he had no respect. So here's God. He looked at one sacrifice, one offering, and he's like, oh, I respect that. And then another guy brings his offering and his sacrifice. And he's like, I don't respect that. Why? Because one was making a sacrifice from his heart. And one was simply doing what they had to do. Maybe you remember um, from, this, from last Sunday. We talked about the difference in having faith and having a practice. I know you all remember this so clearly. Yes? This is was completely self-serving, right? We talked about the difference in having a faith, but or, or just having a practice because of your faith, and so you just go through a ritual, you go through a routine, whatever that may look like for you. But what we learn is that Abel's sacrifice was, according to Hebrews chapter four, was more excellent. It was commended by God. Why? Because Abel offered a sacrifice in faith with his heart. Cain offered it in practice. His heart wasn't in it. Real faith has a heart that sacrifices. And you can't fool God. He knows what your heart condition is. He knows what that looks like for you. And so for one brother, I think faith was a lifestyle. And for the other, it was just a practice. Something that he had to do. Something he just needed to get through. And so Abel had a heart of faith. Now as we continue to walk through this passage, we we jump into verse 5 and 6. And it says, I want to read this for you once again. It says, by faith Enoch was taken up 
so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. That's what we know about Enoch. Enoch was this mystery man of sorts in the Old Testament. You're also going to find Enoch in Genesis chapter 5. So if you want to write that down, it might be in your notes there in the Bible that you possess. But in Genesis chapter 5, verse 21 through 24, we find this with the story of Enoch. And we, we really just know that he walked with God, that pleased God, and God took him away. That's what we know of him. Very brief. We, we don't have a lot of details about him. Yes, we know some of the genealogy, etc. But when it comes to going, who is this guy? Why would God take him away? I think about Elijah, the, right, in the chariot, and God took him away. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second. For God to be so pleased with you, like, I would take that right now. Like, if God just is like here, and he's like, Joel, it's time for you to come with me. Let's go. I'm like, done. I mean, I love you guys. But I love him more, right? That'd be amazing. So what is it that calls that to happen? Here's a guy who walked with God. It pleased God, and so God took him away. Well, here's what you're going to learn. is that, that Remember, Abel had a heart of faith. His heart was in the right place. Something for you to go, who is it that you know in your life that has that right heart that you need to be admiring because of that? Well, here comes Enoch. Enoch had legs of faith. One had a heart of faith. One had legs of faith. We know that he walked with God. One has a heart of faith, one has legs of faith. And so here he comes, and the right of Hebrews is assuming that only a man of faith could enjoy such close communion with God. To walk that closely with God. And obviously anyone who had this kind of fellowship with God must have pleased God. And in pleasing God, Enoch fulfilled his purpose. And it was late in life. He didn't really step into this until he was like 65 years old. Okay, we know that. Like he, he was an older guy. But he stepped in and it pleased God because of the way that he journeyed with God. The way he walked with God. Friends, the way you walk with God. If you want to be a mature believer in Jesus Christ, if you want to walk with God because of your faith, not only have a heart for God and to make the right sacrifices because God knows your heart, but to walk with God and to put legs to it. That comes from those people who are so consistent day in and day out according to their faith and who they are. That's what, that's what we see over and over again. And so here comes Enoch, and he's somebody who was walking with God. And if you look at it, verse 6 goes even further. Verse 6 lets us know, and without faith it is impossible to please him. Now, I had you read that twice. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now, I keep saying it over and over, right? Why? Listen to this. Without faith, what is it? Just that could make this one of the most important messages you ever hear. Because if you desire to please God, you have to be a person of faith. Maybe you go to your friends and say, do you think, do you think the people who know you, do you think I'm a person of faith or a person of practice? You can do the right thing, but if it's out of practice and not from your heart, 
hello, Cain and Abel. God doesn't respect that. Literally, it says that God doesn't respect one of those things. So when we're looking at people that we admire, people who are heroes of faith, we have to examine whether or not we understand the significance of verse 6. Listen up. Wow, do you hear this? Because if you know that without faith it's impossible to please God, if you really just camp out on that, because here's a man, Enoch, who pleased God because of his faith. He just walked with God. God took him away. He had legs of faith. He walked with God. If you believe that without faith it's impossible to please God, you will take a hard look in a mirror and go, man, am I a person of faith? Because that right there, if you're not pleasing God, you're in trouble, my friends. It will change the way you parent. Do you parent with faith? Or do you parent by teaching a practice? It will change your friendships, how you interact with people and how you pour into them, or maybe how you just want to use all of your time for self. Faith is living a life that says God has spoken truth and you trust him. Real faith has legs that walk with God. Does your faith please God? Does your faith please God? Enoch walked with God. He had faith. It pleased God. So God took him away. Does your faith please God? Now, I mentioned this also a little bit last week. I want to go a little bit further um, about faith. Why do we struggle with faith? If we keep talking about faith, why is it that we can struggle with it? Well, when I look at anything I struggle with, I want to know what's competing against it. It helps me to identify why I'm struggling to get something done. So if I'm struggling in my faith, if I'm going, man, I don't know if my faith is pleasing to God... I want to know what's competing against it. So I've referenced this already about me personally. I'm going to speak a little bit further with it. The thing that competes against faith in my life, in my personal life, that is pushing against faith that sometimes causes me to struggle and just trusting in him, resting in him, sacrificing with my heart and walking with him is this word called, and you might want to write it down, it's a word called achievement. I don't even know if I was necessarily raised achievement-oriented. It's just something that's deep in me that I, I think because of my own insecurities that I feel like I have to be able to achieve. And I've spoken about that right here before because I'm learning more and more. I don't have to achieve. I have to be faithful. That's it. But it's still a struggle for me sometimes. And I, if I know that it's faith that pleases God and I want to know if my faith is pleasing to God, I go, when is it not? And it's when I get wrapped up in achievement. Um, Paul David Tripp, uh, our elders walked through a book called Lead, L-E-A-D, by Paul David Tripp. And I, I want to share just a few kind of broad concepts from that book. Um, again, it's Paul David Tripp. It's a great book, by the way. Our elders, again, walked through it. Um, he, he says, guys, achievement is a good thing. 
Achievement can be a very positive thing. It can move us forward. And achievement can be vital in many regards. We want to have, we need to have achievement in certain areas of life. But then it speaks about how we have often battled with this concept of achievement because what happens when we achieve is the next step that is so dangerous. Is that when we achieve, you, you start out and you start a business and it starts to grow and you go, man, look at that. Well, what, what often comes with achievement is this thing called pride. That's the next thing down the road. So we achieve something, we're like, look at what I did. Woo! Right? And we, as a world, we have identified certain things in greater ways than other things. Anybody know what the game of baseball is? Raise your hand. All right. Anybody know what a single is? Raise your hand. Home run. Grand slam. Okay. Who would rather hit a grand slam than a single? Because we identify success and achievement in different ways. And so all of a sudden, we feel better about hitting a grand slam than a single when God is just wanting us to be faithful. But that's what we've done as, as a society is we have identified certain things in greater manners because we want to achieve more. And what achievement leads to is pride. And so achievement can become dangerous when it forms our view of success and failure. Achievement becomes dangerous when it forms our view of success and failure rather than simply being faithful to what God has called us to be. When it causes us to take credit for what we could never have done on our own, you're in a dangerous place. Because we're not called to achieve, but here's what Scripture tells us we should be called to. Um, I'll first go 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now everybody says 1 Timothy chapter 3. He says this is, the, this is what elders are called to. Actually, it's what any spiritual leader really is called to. It's just that if someone is to be an elder, we had better be able to identify every single one of these characteristics. It doesn't say that you have to, be, you have to achieve, achieve, achieve. What it does is it says, hey, guys, you need to be above reproach. You can write down some of these. Is that just, this is what Scripture says. If you're a person of faith, God is pleased with your faith. It says that we're not called to achieve. We're called to be above reproach, to be sober-minded, to be self-controlled, to be respectable, to be gentle, to not be quarrelsome. That's what it says we should be. In Galatians 5, right, it says that we should be people who possess love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control and the like. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be, look at who I am because of what God has done, not look at what I've achieved because of how cool I am. And I have to believe that was the life of Enoch. Enoch walked with God by faith, not by achievement. Enoch walked with God by faith, not by achievement. The next portion of scripture we come to here in Hebrews chapter 11 is this story, verse 7, of Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. 
By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, Noah lived, uh, he, Noah lived 825 years. I asked somebody earlier, I was like, would you want to live to be 825? It's a negative for me. It's a negative. Um, but here he is, 825 years. Things happened differently, of course, back then. And he was a righteous man. God said to Noah, it's very simple, God uh, looked at Noah, and Noah lived in the desert, by the way, so it made perfect sense for, for Noah to go, yeah, I'll build a boat. God looked at him and said, I need you to build a boat. Didn't make sense at all because he wasn't anywhere near water, middle of the desert, and God told him to build a boat so big that it was just simply inconceivable. It was the size of what, you remember the boat Queen Mary? Pretty much very similar in scale. I also want to remind you, there are no power tools or anything else. And so here comes God, and he says, no, I need you to build a boat. No lumber yards. Like, I would have loved to seen, like, on papyrus or something, some architectural drawings of that. God looks at him and says, man, I need you to come and do this. Now, let me go ahead and acknowledge um, Noah was a mighty man of faith, primarily, I think, because of his courage. Faith leads to courageous steps of obedience, which honors God, right? What you're going to see that is that very thing. Faith leads to courageous steps of obedience, which honors God. Another way of saying it, and just leave it here if you would, guys, in the back. Leave, leave this up. You have one guy who had a heart of sacrifice, right? Abel. You had Enoch who had legs. Well, here you have Noah because of his courage. He had hands of faith. And he constructed. He, he was obedient. I mean, that's what it was. Like that obedience, he used his hands to do that which God actually asked him to do. He just got to work on it. And faith led to courageous steps of obedience, and that was God honoring. And so what we find in Genesis 5 through 9, it gives us the bulk of what we know. Genesis 5 through 9 gives us the bulk of what we know about Noah and his life. If you want to go back and read that, you can. But Noah married, and he had three sons. His grandfather was Methuselah. And we're told that Noah walked with the Lord and found grace in his sight. Genesis chapter 6, verse 8 and 9. Write it down real quick. Genesis chapter 6, verse 8 and 9, it says that he found grace in his sight. He's described in 2 second, uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 5, Noah is described as a person of righteousness. And he was motivated by faith, and he was motivated, it tells us in this passage, he was motivated by godly faith and by fear of the Lord godly fear so here comes God God's like you know what um, God didn't want to kill humanity what God wanted to get rid of was all the evil by the way it was like oh God's so evil and look he's so wrong for doing this the people were complete pagans and they wanted nothing to do with God and it was complete evil So God instructs Noah to take seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, two of every kind of unclean animal. And, and some, um, some biblical scholars say there could have been up to 45,000 animals that could have fit on that ark. It's a big boat, Queen Mary. Think of that. 
And it tells us Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 and following. It says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man, and it was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. They were consumed with self. Go back to Abel and Cain. Cain, hey, Abel, come out here. And killed him with a rock. The Lord regretted that he had made man on earth and it grieved him to his heart because of the evilness, right? So the Lord said, I'll blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things, birds of the heavens, for I'm sorry that I've made them because why? They have only lived for self rather than giving me the due glory and honor. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. He was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. And by the way, it was very similar to Enoch. It then tells us that Noah walked with God. He also had not only hands but legs that walked with God. So Noah, he had to make a decision. Noah had to determine whether or not he would trust God in an absolute, what we would call a ridiculous situation. Middle of the desert, go build an ark. And so Noah comes and he says, I trust God. You see, if you trust God, if you have faith in God, you'll use your hands to be obedient to God. You won't let what we talked about this weekend with elders, you won't let it remain. Your faith won't be ambiguous. You'll get to work. And cultivating relationships that need to be cultivated. And sacrificing according to your heart, not out of practice. And those are the people, guys, identify somebody in your life who would go, man, they've just used their hands to do that which God has called them to do. They've put courage to what God has asked them to do, and they've stepped forward in obedience, and that gives glory, and that gives honor to God. Is that the life that we are all living? Because real faith, it has heart. Real faith has legs that follow and walk with God. Real faith has hands that are willing to be obedient to God, even when it doesn't make sense. When God says, I need you to build a boat in the middle of the desert, and you say, God, it doesn't make any sense. When God looks at you and says, I need you to go tomorrow to work, and you need to let those three colleagues know about the saving power of the resurrection of the Son of God. His name is Jesus. And you go, it doesn't make sense. What if I lose my job? But you're willing to put action to the will of God because of your courage and your trust and belief that he is sovereign. And so you're willing to do it. Because when Noah said yes to God, when he walked with such an amazing faith, he had to receive, you can imagine the ridicule. And I can, if I imagine in today's world, if somebody's doing something like that, we would all come up with some interesting names that we would refer to them as. And they would not be as kind as, hey, boat builder. Right? We, we would mock them. So guess what? You might be mocked. We would criticize them. Guess what? You might be criticized. But regardless of the mocking, regardless of the criticism, 
We're called to be faithful. True admiration. If we look at the people in our life of true faith, it's more than just appreciation and respect. It leads, for, it leads us to take steps of faith ourselves. Which one do you need to learn the most from today? It'd be fun for you to share with your friends. Do you need to learn most from the, the heart of an Abel, the legs of an Enoch, or the hands of a Noah? Will you step in to a faith that pleases God? Lord, I come before you, and I thank you for such powerful examples. And I ask, Lord, that you would uh, just give us courage to be obedient. I pray that you would help us examine whether or not we have a faith that pleases you. And we be honest with ourselves, so that we can know more of who you are. In Christ's name, amen.